from the number one best-selling author of Life Rescripted. You're now tuning in to the Year of Purpose podcast. I'm Zephan Moses Blacksburg. Alexi Panos is a truth junkie. She's on a mission to make personal development mainstream by synthesizing big ideas into fun, bite-sized nuggets of goodness that spread throughout the world and create a ripple effect of positivity and love. She does this through speaking, facilitating workshops around the globe, dishing insights from her personal quest for truth in her books and blogs, and knocking people's socks off with her energetic YouTube series. She's the co-founder of The Bridge Method, which is online, and The Bridge Experience, which is a live workshop, which is a fully immersive and high-octane human potential training that yields incredible results. She also facilitates global leadership training programs around the world through her nonprofit, Epic everyday people initiating change that give people the tools they need to implement global give back initiatives to communities in need. Alexi, how's it going today? Oh man, so, so beautiful. So beautiful. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for being here. And let's just kind of dive right in because I know that you launched a book last week, so I don't want anyone to miss out on that. (laughs) And then we'll kind of dive into more about who you are. But let's tell everyone what's the name of your book? What's it about? And why should they go get it right now? Yeah, well, the name of the book is 50 Ways to Yay, and it's 50 Transformative Tools for a Whole Lot of Happy. And I wrote it because I recognize, A, there's so much amazing wisdom out there, and there's so much goodness out there, but it's kind of all over the place. And if you're not a nerd like me and you know spending 90% of your time studying this stuff, it can be overwhelming. So I wanted to create a space um, and a place for people to come and get all the best stuff in a really simplified and engaging way because you know knowledge is potential power and I think any of us can read a book cover to cover which is an amazing accomplishment but it doesn't actually become our life and it doesn't actually transform anything until we put it into practice so my book is all about actionable items things that you can apply to your life right now and I made it really fun and super digestible which is really important so for any of you who are looking for like a one-stop shop for some amazing wisdom that you can either go from day one to day 50 or you know crack it open at any particular point and just get a shot of inspiration for your day this is really a great great read That is awesome. And I think one of the number one things there is that, you know, we could go out and read bookshelf after bookshelf of stuff, right? Totally. It could be all about the same topic and you might not even hear the same thing twice. Mm -hmm. And the problem is in such a crowded world right now, it's so hard to figure out, you know, what's working, where should we get started to the point where people are just paralyzed and they don't even start with anything. So I think it's awesome that you put this all together. Now, we'll get a little bit more into that in just a minute. I want to figure out who is the person behind this book like how did Alexi become Alexi and so we'll get to like where you are now but rewind me maybe like five or ten years like I know that at some point in time you probably had to make a choice to go on a bit of a spiritual journey so to speak or at least at some point in time something may have happened that really convinced you to be you know obsessed with learning about yourself and where you can go in the world do you have a moment or maybe you know a story in time that made that change for you yeah well I have two really big catalyst moments and you know personal development has always fascinated me since I was young I've been interested in it I've done my you know I did my first Tony Robbins event at 16 um, but I never actually took it inward and did the spiritual work with it until really I mean really on a deep level until about 
eight years ago. Um, but my first catalyst moment that woke me up was actually I was in the music industry from the age of 15 to about 20. And from 17 to 20, I was traveling the world with a major artist at the time on tour. And I was kind of living this crazy rock star lifestyle and, you know, traveling all over Europe, all over Asia, all over Africa. And our final stop was in Cape Town in South Africa. And, you know, it was a typical night. We played a show. We went to the after party, spent a bunch of money on champagne. And sure enough, as I'm leaving this club, I'm just brought face to face with the reality of the developing world. And I saw this community that people would call a slum or, you know, um, a shanty town. And it just hit me like this, this, the polarity of these two worlds, the contrast of this excess that I had just come from and this, you know, developing no running water, tin houses. There's just two totally different worlds. And it kind of smacked me in the face with a bit of reality and brought me back to the young girl that once wanted to give back and wanted to help people and contribute. And I kind of lost myself through the music industry because I was trying to fit in. I was trying to be cool. I was trying, 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 trying everything just to feel better about myself. And that moment really woke me up to the truth of who I was. And I came back to New York City where I was living at the time and just reevaluated everything. So I ended up quitting the music industry, um, getting a bartending job, figuring out next steps. And that's how I created my nonprofit, Epic, with a friend of mine uh, because I knew I wanted to give back. I wanted to create something that was meaningful in life and not just be a consumer, not just be taking and, and spending and living this life of excess. I wanted to live a life of contribution. So that was really my, my first big one. Um, and I started that when I was 20 years old. But then from 20 to 20, really 28, I was still in the entertainment industry, but I kind of shifted gears a bit. I went into modeling and became a television host and became really successful at that. And, you know, I think to the outside world, people were celebrating me. You know, they were saying, wow, you're doing so well. You're on network television. You're making, you know, six figures a year. This is incredible. And I had everything I could have ever wanted. I knocked off every single goal on my goal list. But at the same time, I felt this emptiness inside, you know, because here I was achieving and I used all my personal development and my leadership skills that I was learning in these programs and in my books to to achieve and to, to earn more and to get more and to be more, right? But at the end of the day, there was something out of alignment and it was really when I, one of my trips to Africa with my nonprofit where I was in this beautiful moment where we had just drilled a clean water well in a village and all these women came out to celebrate and dance and sing and and it was such a, a moving and touching moment and it wouldn't permeate me. You know, it's like I, I was there mentally and I was grateful mentally for what we were able to do, but I couldn't feel that gratitude. And I recognized in that moment that I was really shut down emotionally and I wasn't quite sure why. And sure enough, that kind of began my path of meditation and self-inquiry where I was journaling every day and just trying to get under this block that I felt. And one day I was, I was after a meditation, I was journaling and just saying, like, why can't I feel? Why am I so emotionally closed down? And sure enough, on the pages came out this, this trauma that I had experienced when I was 20. 
and I was raped. And I had like tucked it away in the, the deep, deep parts of my subconscious mind and didn't look at it because I didn't want to. I didn't want to face off with the pain. I didn't want to face off with the shame that I felt and the guilt that I felt around that. And sure enough, going through that process of really being with that trauma and those shadows that came around that trauma was really the beginning of this work. And it was the beginning of my freedom because I came to know myself in such an intimate way, in such a real, real way. And not just the way that I've been projecting myself to society, but the true me, the me that I, I was always too busy to notice. And um, it was such a blessing and I got so much out of that work that I began sharing that with other people. And I first started working with women who had been sexually traumatized in some way and recognized that, you know, this also applies to people who are dealing with other trauma. So then I started, you know, branching out and then I started getting called to do authenticity and vulnerability workshops for startup communities. And then that led to me building other workshops and it just all kind of built on each other. And sure enough, one day I was like, I don't even want to be in the entertainment industry anymore because it's not me anymore, you know, and I, I can't ignore that. I have to really honor my soul and, and do what I'm, I, I feel called to do. And so I retired from the entertainment business and then used all my skills in, in entertainment to, make entertainment actually mean something and entertain people, but also educate them and inspire them and use my voice for good. This is also interesting to me. And there's something huge that hit home for me that I'm going to come back to in a moment. And that was that you were in an experience where, you know, you should be overjoyed. You should be, you know, just filled with love and compassion for everything happening to you. And you can't quite feel that. So I want to come back to that in just a minute. Um, it's so interesting too, though, that someone who goes into, you know, the music industry, I'd imagine you were very passionate about it. Like this wasn't just a like, hey, I guess I'll sing sort of thing. Like you really wanted to do that. And it's odd to see that uh, there's kind of like this, this side to it that's very fake in a sense. Like there's, there's a side that's not authentically you. And yeah. to come out from, you know, a club and see this nightlife and and this world of excess and having everything you could ever want and then seeing a world where you know people are just dancing and singing just because they got water today yeah yeah exactly i mean that's that's huge and so i'd love to kind of dive into um maybe a little bit more on what was going on and in why you weren't quite feeling what was happening or you know where you weren't being honest with yourself because I know personally too I had some experiences when I was younger um, unfortunately in the same sort of realm of uh, with for me it was with a family member mm-hmm. um, and I locked it down for a very very long time and I said yeah. nothing about it did nothing about it and it actually wasn't until the last year where I went through uh, and really worked with a mentor on this yeah um, but I've I've been in that same place where like good things will happen and I'll even sit there in that moment and be like, why don't I feel anything? Like what's up with that? And yeah, you know, you just had a book launch. I launched mine back in January and I remember even back to uh, when the book came out, it hit number one in its category on Amazon. And I'm just kind of sitting there at the computer. You know, I took my screenshot, got my proof and then it was gone. It was like, yeah. there was, it was just momentary. Nothing. 
what sure. is happening there? Where are we going wrong? Because I'm sure we're not the only two here. Like, I feel like there's probably <laughs> a ton of people listening and that are like, I've had this too. Yeah, no, it's, it's, unfortunately, it's called the depression of success. <laughs> there's actually a term for it. Um, <laughs> because what happens is, is we bank our happiness on this idea that success will bring it to us. So, you know, let's say we're sitting in our current reality and we're working on the book and we're saying, oh, I just can't wait. Like, I'm going to make this book and I'm going to, I want it to be a number one bestseller and I'm so excited and I know once I hit that, then I'll be fill in the blank. Happy, fulfilled, successful, no, I'm enough, no, I'm respected, no, I'm worthy, no, I'm an expert, whatever. And we have all these if-then scenarios. You know, if I make X amount of money, then I'll be happy. When I move to California, then I'll be happy. And we put all of our happiness, we bank all of our happiness and wholeness on this external motivator. And the problem is, is we get there and we get to the top of that mountain. And the minute we get to the top of that mountain, we look and we're like, oh, there's 20 other mountains up here. (laughs) But we never had that perspective before because all we could see was that one mountain, right? Yeah. So then we start looking at another mountain and then we put it on the other mountain and we're constantly throwing our happiness out there. And the, the problem with that thinking is out there is constantly shifting. Out there is always going to be exponentially growing. Out there is never in our control. So as human beings, if we truly want to access a level of joy and happiness, bliss and gratitude that's everlasting and evergreen, it's got to start in here, in ourselves. And that's, you know, and that's where the work begins, but it's also where where we can truly access something that is intangible but also evergreen. And that for me has been such a game changer because I constantly remind myself, and even last week in my book launch, I was sitting there with my fiance because him and I both launched the book. We're sitting there and we're saying, man, this is pretty awesome. You know, we're right now we're sitting in a there moment because, you know, five years ago, we were talking about being here where we are right now. And now we're here and we're already thinking about what's next, the next book, you know, the, the workshop tour, da, 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 fill in the blank. And I told him, I said, you know, right now we're sitting in a there moment. And to any of your listeners, like you're all sitting in a there moment, like where you are right now, you're all in different places, but wherever you are right now, at some point in your life, whether it was five years ago, three years ago, two years ago, you looked at your life and said, man, I want to be there. And now you're there, but it's a here moment. So how do we, how do we juggle that? We've got to remain present and we really have to get grateful for what's here right now. Because quite frankly, if we're not grateful for what's here right now, we're never going to be grateful for it when we get there, you know, and there's no there to get to because it's, it's always right now. It's always right here. And that's all we have. Yeah, I feel like that's that's really the big struggle is, and I think there was an awesome TED Talk about this. It was Sean Acker. Have you seen oh, him? Oh, yeah. I love him. Yeah. He really talks about, like, we kind of set this bar and say, okay, I'll be happy when I get here. And then yeah. you either, A, never get there, or B, you get there, and then it's just like the bar moved before you even got to it. 
Totally. You get there and you're already, your sights are already set on the next level, the next mountain. Yeah. Yep. And so it reminds me, there's like a graphic that floats around every now and then on Instagram. Some people put it up on Facebook, but it's like this little doodle drawing and it's this guy holding a jar and it says happiness on it. And this other guy kind of comes up to him and says, where'd you find that? You know? And, mm-hmm. and he's like, it's, it's right here. Like I have, uh, you know? That's awesome. I haven't seen that. It, it's really great because I think that we kind of make this mistake of looking for happiness elsewhere. And I don't know, let me ask you, like, is it a choice or is it like, I I know this is a little deep, but like, is happiness a choice or is it really just like deciding to look within ourselves and being within the present? I think, I think both of those equate to a choice for me. And I think the biggest thing to get for me is that there's nothing to get. And this is like the biggest (laughs) paradox and cosmic joke of our time is we're all seeking for something. We're all looking for something, love, happiness, joy, bliss, money, fortune, abundance, whatever. We're all seeking and we're seeking because we haven't found it within ourselves yet. And the cosmic joke is there is nothing to get because you already have it all. And when we turn inwards and actually know that, not just believe it, like, oh, yeah, I believe that I'm an infinite being, but actually get it and go, oh, yeah, like, I know that I know, and I trust that, then you have everything. And then at that point, anything else in your external world is a bonus. You know, like, if you live in an awesome place, bonus, if you have a great partner by your side, bonus, if you make a lot of money, bonus. But the bottom line is take all that away, and you still got everything. But the problem is, is our values are so twisted that we place all of our values on external gets. And those external gains will always, always leave us with suffering. And I think the minute we can let go of the external attachment and bank on the internal, then we release the need for suffering. We release the attachment and we actually get the truth of who and what we are. And I think you mentioned that one of the best ways for you has been meditation over, you know, the the recent period. And, you know, I've experimented a couple of different times with a couple of things, you know, walking meditation. I used to yeah. go to a Shambhala center. Um, the biggest thing for me was actually I went into a float tank. I don't know if you've oh, ever done that. I love those. Yeah. Sensory deprivation. Oh, my gosh. Cool. So good. So, you know, I've certainly found, you know, in our own ways that meditation doesn't have to be what everyone pictures of it, of, you know, you're just sitting in the middle of the floor in your living room. Like, you can meditate pretty much anywhere while doing anything. It's really kind of where your mind goes. What are some of the other things that you're doing to set yourself up so that you can really kind of focus on what's going on right now? Like, I know personally, I actually keep a little folded up paper in my wallet um, from a, a quite transformational experience of mine, but I came out of a bit of like a, a meditation and I walked over and I wrote this down and it just says, be proud of here. Like we're mm. always trying to be proud of other things that we've done, whether it's in the past or, you know, where we've worked up to up until this point. But I think people don't really stop to be proud of what's going on right now in this second. Totally. And that's, that's so beautiful because honestly, I think that that to me feels like gratitude. And, you know, you ask one of my practices, it's that. It's being grateful for what's here. 
And, you know, people say, oh, well, that's easy to say if life's going well. What if you've got disease or what if you just lost a child or, you know, I mean, people people suffer some really traumatic things. And the bottom line is there's always something to be grateful for, because if you've got breath enough to complain, you've got breath enough to be grateful for. Mm. That's what I always tell people. It's like the fact that you are breathing and you are alive, that is everything like you cannot lose if you've got that. And I think gratitude has just been such an immense part of, of my practice of joy because when you're in a grateful heart, when you're in a grateful spirit and a grateful context, you can't be in pain because gratitude is just such a powerful vibration. And to, to sit and be grateful for the roof over your head, for the clothes on your body, for the food in your stomach, for the breath that keeps you alive, for the heartbeat that you don't have to think about. I mean, I could go on for hours, but just spending even two seconds in gratitude, you know, like for me, I've got little things that I do. So like markers, I call them. So I've got a marker whenever I eat, I spend a moment in gratitude with my food. And, mm. you know, people might think I'm praying, but I'm just sitting there looking at my food and I'm seeing all this amazing nutrition that once was growing from the land that so many hands touched to bring it to my house, you know, and it's like you think about all the farmers that played a role in this meal and, you know, the truck driver and the clerk at the grocery store at Whole Foods. And, you know, you just think of everything. And then I think about all the nutrition and all the life force energy that's going to go into my body and nourish my cells. And that's just this moment of immense gratitude that I spend every time I put food in my body. Because yeah. it's a marker and like I'm always going to eat. So that's always a moment for me to stop, pause and get present to this magnificent thing called food. You know, and, and this is coming from someone who used to chow down my food. Like <laughs> I was like a vacuum cleaner. I would eat super fast because, you know, I was used to always running from one thing to the next. And, and food was just something that I had to do. So my stomach would shut up. And now I have such a reverence for my food and I've completely shifted my relationship with it. And imagine what, what would happen if you did that with your partner or your children or every time you walked in the door of your home or your apartment, if you just took a moment, took a deep breath and went, wow, yeah. this is my life. Like, how awesome is this? That's something that, you know, it's so tough where we are today to get that and turn that into a habit, right? Like yeah. we're always running from one thing to the next, just like you said, like you were eating just because you knew you had to eat. Like it wasn't that you totally. wanted to or even enjoyed it. Like you just did it. Yeah. And I I guess should we be slowing down a little bit? Like are we moving too fast? Well, you know, I think pace is it's individual. I know I know I move for most people at a thousand miles per hour. But I know for myself, where I'm at currently, I've slowed down about 40%, 40 to 50%. And people still look at me and go, whoa, you're moving so fast. you know. But for me, I know that where I'm at right now, I'm taking almost two hours every single day for myself, whether it's you know 30 minutes in the morning, an hour and a half in the afternoon, just doing practices, whether it's reading, sitting in gratitude, meditation, or walking outside, sitting by the ocean, going for a bike ride, I'm taking time for me and that's important for me, but that's going to look different for everyone. So I do think um, there's 
there's a lot that we're distracted by. I'll say that we're, we're very distracted in our culture. You know, there's screens everywhere. You get into a, the back of a taxi cab, there's a television. We've got screens in our pocket. We open up screens on our laptop. We've got tablets to read. We're constantly on our phones. Like if we're in an elevator, we don't even feel comfortable being with people or looking at them. We pull out our phones so we don't have to. We're constantly distracting ourselves from being in community. And what's hilarious and like the total catch 22 is that we feel more lonely than ever as a society. You know, people, depression is on the rise. People are depressed. They're lonely. They feel uh, closed off. If you look at all these shootings and all this stuff that's happening, it's because people are in pain. People are in pain and they feel alone and they feel misunderstood. What would happen if we just started to see people and we started to actually be in community with each other? And I think that's a big part of why our world is suffering so much right now is because we're out of community. You know, yes, we're more connected, quote unquote, because of the internet, but we're more disconnected than ever, especially from ourselves. So I think it starts with our relationship with self first so that we can be comfortable enough to actually be in communion, to be in community with the other people around us. You know, something that you said there was, you know, what if we could just see people? Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is something that I'm, I'm a huge people watcher. I love to just kind of yeah. sit at a restaurant and, you know, just watch what's going on. And, you know, I notice the little things, you know, I see the homeless guy who's sleeping on the bench under the bus stop. I see, you know, the people who uh, look like they're upset or having a bad day. And I wonder, you know, how can we what are some of the little ways that we can go about, you know, maybe even surprising a stranger, uh, you know, on the street if something comes up? Like, how can we get even just a smile out of someone else? Yeah, well, it's funny. I have a a chapter in my book called random acts of awesome (laughs) and this is what it is it's literally for no reason at all just bringing some magic to somebody and it doesn't have to cost any money but even a smile if you walk on the street and you notice most people including yourself most of us look down or we're on our phones because we're like don't look at me don't look at me don't look at me don't look at me don't engage don't talk to me don't like we are completely disengaged from people Meanwhile, if you put your phone away, put it on silent, that's a huge one. I'll just start there. Put your phone on silent. Don't be in reaction to your phone. You choose when you want to look at your phone. That's one thing, to be present. Now that you're present, now you can have your head up and actually notice people. So if you're walking, even if you're in a parking lot and you're walking into the grocery store, just smile at somebody that you pass by. And they might think it's totally weird, but just smile at them for no reason at all. And no matter how they react, it doesn't matter. You brought joy to that moment. Whether or not they're ready to receive it is their problem. But you can bring joy to that. And I remember um, I learned this lesson about random acts of awesome in the coolest way ever. I was living in New York City and I got on a subway train. And, you know, I got on this particular train every single day at the same time and it was like around rush hour so everybody's on the train looking super tired and totally ticked off that they're going to work and I sat down and there's this little folded piece of note paper and I open it up because I'm curious I open it up and I look and the note says you are beautiful I hope you know that and obviously this was left by a stranger just a little random act, uh, act of awesome that just brightened up my day and I literally like it changed the entire course of my day 
And from that point, I started leaving little love notes all around the city. I'd leave them on park benches. If I was eating outside and having my lunch, I would leave them in the train. If there was a car parked, I'd put it on the windshield. And it was just like, because you never know what somebody's going through. And I think every single human being wants to feel seen, heard, and loved. And we don't always get it from the places that we expect to get it from. And when you get it from seemingly out of nowhere or from a stranger, it's it just it makes you pause and it brings you back to the, the, the realness and the truth that we all are part of the same human race. We're all in this thing together. We all have our ups and downs. And today you get to pause and know that you're beautiful, know that you're magical. Yes, I get you get to smile and receive my smile. And, you know, like it's, it's just that it's the reminder that we're all connected. And I believe that's so important, especially in this disconnected world. Totally. I, I think that that's really what we're missing now is just we need to start connecting with others and any little thing that we can do to get there, you know, even just a smile. I know it sounds weird at first, you know, you don't know the person that you're smiling to, but who cares? Like it's up exactly. to them how they're going to receive it, but it was your choice to still give it. And I think that's, that's the most important piece. That's it. And you know, when we're giving and we're contributing something shifts within us and you know scientifically i have no idea why but i know that it works and i i do that with all of my coaching clients and all of the people who come to our workshops we send them out on contribution missions you know and and it changes everything for them because something shifts within the body you know chemically it's like something gets released when we when we tap into that humanity with others yeah that's awesome. Well, Alexi, this has been an amazing interview. And, you know, I'd love to share with everyone tuning in where they can learn more about you. I know I've been following you for a little while now. And you've got some awesome videos up on YouTube. I'm a little jealous because I'm a videographer. I think you're doing ah, an awesome job with them. Thank but you. I want other people to be able to see those too. So, you know, what's the best place for everyone to keep track of what's going on in your life and check out your book? Yeah, you can find everything at alexipanos.com and you can, you know, find my videos. You can reach out to me on there. You can follow me on Facebook or Instagram at alexipanos as well. And of course, you can find everything on YouTube as well at uh, at alexipanos. So you can just Google stalk me everywhere at my name pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) But first be here, then be stalking. Exactly. (laughs) Get present to your breath first and then you can go online and stalk me. Done. (laughs) (laughs) thanks so much for being here alexi this was great and uh so cool to chat with you and just thank you for for giving the world what you're giving oh thank you so much really it was such a pleasure hey everyone it's zeph did you like this episode be sure to subscribe so that you can tune in next week and tell a friend about the show if you want access to free training and exclusive interviews on success happiness lifestyle design and adventure visit me at yearofpurpose.com Until next time, go out and let life surprise you so that you can live a life rescripted.